Your hour of Thrive Time begins now. now. With your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show, Business Edition. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, Business Edition. You have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. This is Jay Mamie. Excited to have you visit the show yet once again this week. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There are shows that I get so fired up about because I know ahead of time the content that is going to be delivered. And today is no different as we are lining up a superb show. If you are in the realm of CEOs or high thought leaders or high executives, uh, then you're going to find our show extremely interesting as we're going to highlight three incredible people who have three very distinct ways to bring value to the C-suite world, to the business community, and even to startups or brand new entrepreneurs. Today's show is going to feature the thought patterns of those at high levels. Now, if you are already at the high level, you're going to find this information interesting. It's a a fabulous resource. But if you are thriving to arrive at a high level, you will find the nuggets that we're going to talk about today critical to your journey as you are pursuing that high level executive style of experience. Folks, if you're visiting our show for the first time, let me encourage you, make sure that you hop on to our website, thejmamietalkshow.com. There you'll have an opportunity to listen to all of my prior broadcasts. Every single broadcast drops amazing nuggets of information. Just I ask you, make sure that you have a pen and a piece of paper handy because you will walk away with actionable implementable, thrive-minded content that's going to help you pursue those dreams with much more acceleration that you might not be experiencing at the moment. I also encourage you to hop on my regular site, thejmamie.com. There you're going to find my books, my blogs, my vlogs, and of course, my training course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course, You will find all of my fantastic content there. And I know I've been getting a ton of you reaching out to me through my LinkedIn, my Instagram, my Facebook. I'm not hiding anywhere, folks. You can certainly find me on those platforms, predominantly at DJ Mamie. That's my handle for Facebook and and Instagram and Twitter. On LinkedIn, Jay Mamie is the way to find me. Many of you have reached out and have asked me about speaking engagements, keynote addresses, hosting events. Uh, I encourage you, please track me down at j at the jmamie.com or contact at the jmamie.com. I'll be more than happy to look over your proposal to come and bring energy and thrive-minded content to your event. I've had no shortage of those opportunities this year so far and look forward to bringing the same value to your event if you are looking for a sizzling speaker to bring an outside-of-the-box message to your next training or corporate event. Today's show, though, is going to feature three individuals, as I said earlier. Wendy Howell is the CEO of one of the fastest, and I mean fastest growing, executive networking groups. And there's no shortage of groups out there that it seems every other month there's something new popping up on the radar of uh, networking groups, especially those that are high-level networking groups. But her group is breaking the mold, doing things differently. That's why she's attracting incredibly high-level individuals. She's got a formula that's working, and she's going to share that with us. CEO of Executive Council Network, ECN, Wendy Howell, is going to share her brilliance with us on the show today. And following Wendy will also be one of those members of that Council, the ECN Council. And by the way, when you hear him, you'll realize why that Executive Council Network is ratcheting up amazing people week after week joining their group. Nadim Ahmad. Nadim Ahmad is going to be joining us also on the show today. Not only is he the author of the best selling book, Become an Innovation Navigator. But his three-year, three-decade rather, experience as a CTO to one of the top two global companies brings with him tremendous insight and information and success. And now he is sharing that three-decade experience of success 
as an executive coach, as a thought leader in the field, predominantly of innovation and technology, but those principles can be applied to any industry. And you're going to hear his wisdom on the show today. And wrapping up our show is someone who I get a kick out of his accent. <laughs> you know, many of you who are listening to this program from around the world oftentimes will email me and say, Jay, we love your content, but boy, we love your accent even more so. Uh, keep bringing it. Keep being you. Uh, and I, I plan on being me. In fact, many say, are you from New York? Because they pick up my New York accent right away. Well, I picked up this gentleman's accent too, and it's a very cool accent, but his knowledge is even cooler. Anno Coleman is the founder and the CEO of Dynamic Leader Development, a wonderful coaching program designed to help leaders become the very best they can be and create an environment that does the same, perform at a high level. So folks, today's that kind of show where we're going to pack 10 pounds of groceries in a two pound bag, content upon content that is going to enrich your entrepreneurial, your business, your C-suite, your corporate experience, but There'll be some nuggets here that you can apply in your personal life. It's a fantastic show that awaits. We're going to catch up with you right after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Excited to announce that my 10th book, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, is now available on Amazon. And since its release, the readers have reviewed the book and have left stellar reviews as they have come to recognize the book as a valuable resource to help them identify those toxic traits that keep them from becoming the best they can be. Those stumbling blocks have to be identified. And in this book, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, we're going to dive into a closer look at these progress-inhibiting behaviors. The book is going to be a tremendous resource. It is for many already. Pick it up at Amazon. 10 toxic traits that keep you broke, busted, and disgusted. Have you reached a place personally or professionally where you sense you need to be more motivated and fulfilled? Do you want to change but fear the discomfort that comes with it? Hey, I'm Bryce Runge, author of the hit book, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up. For the past decade, I have equipped students, athletes, and CEOs with tools to wake up, enhance their thought life, develop the strength to overcome challenges, and advance toward greatness. For more information, visit BryceRunge.com. That's B-R-Y-C-E-R-U-N-G-E.com. Wake up. Let's grow. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, Business Edition. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I said in the beginning of this program, we were going to highlight individuals that are doing something special for the community, the corporate community, in a way that gives high-level thought thinkers an opportunity to gather around other high-level thought thinkers and really, for lack of a better way to put it, powwow, right? Everybody needs to find their tribe, even in that high-level executive space. So Wendy Howell, as I mentioned earlier in the program, she is the CEO of one of the fastest growing executive council groups in the country, Executive Council Network. Her and I recently connected on LinkedIn and a chance uh, within a few minutes of speaking with her, I had a chance to realize uh, that she's onto something major. Um, her thought pattern, what she believes, her her entire operational system in terms of what she's looking to do moving forward is so unique that I wanted to bring her on the show today, pick her brain a little bit, and find out what it is that she knows that she can share with our community to help us continue to thrive in that uh, in the industry that we're in the space that we're talking about, the high-level CEOs. So Wendy Howell, CEO of Executive Council Network, welcome to the Jay Mimi Talk Show. Thanks very much, Jay. It's really great to be here. I appreciate you having me. Well, you're, you're a busy bee. You're a busy bee. <laughs> I, I mean, you're all over the place. And uh, we finally have a chance to, to, to have this uh, overdue conversation that I think many mm -hmm. will benefit from. But before we dive into the goodness of what you're offering um, and what this organization is doing for so many other CEOs, I'd like for you to possibly tell us a little bit about your story, get us up to speed on mm -hmm. who Wendy Howell is and how she's arrived and where she's at today. 
Perfect. And I, I will not uh, belabor with a very long answer, but I will say that I spent a majority of my career in large technology companies, some mid-size as well, and um, primarily in chief of staff, M&A, and, and strategy roles. So that's been a lot of my history, 20-something odd years, because yes, I'm that old. Um, uh, <laughs> however, about two and a half years ago, I had decided that perhaps it was time for me to go do something else and in an entrepreneurial space, but still utilizing the skills I had built up. And mm -hmm. so with a co-founder, we started what is now uh, lovingly called the Executive Council Network, which mm -hmm. is a value-based executive um, mentorship program. So it's, it's one thing to start a business. Uh, that takes guts. It takes faith. It takes a system. It takes encouragement. It takes support. It takes a strategy. It takes a plan. But when you start something that's intangible, where you are attracting those who don't know you, mm -hmm. right? They don't really know anything about you. There's no product. There's no track record. There's no resume. There's no evidence of success. And you're dealing with high level individuals. What in the world got in your mind? <laughs> what inspired you to say, I could do that? Love that question. And, and by the way, you didn't mention tenacity. And for me, that's tenacity, one of the, yes, the yes. biggest, biggest things that, that one must have in, in starting something new. So realistically, um, uh, before we became ECN that we are today, there was a startup venture lab that uh, my co-founder and a previous co-founder had started. Mm -hmm. They were working with top level executives to try and find out what problems they needed to have solved. And then they would build technology for that. Cool, but not a really sustainable model, quite frankly. However, mm -hmm. that's where we started. So they already had 80 plus executives that had come to one of their innovation summits. And from that, we said, let's take this group of amazing leaders and executives and build something that is of value. I mean, that is our sole mission is to provide value to our members. Mm -hmm. And that is through um, providing lifelong learning, providing social impact opportunities, executive elevation opportunities, and even investment opportunities through our syndicate and venture fund. So there's a lot of pieces to it. And I, I like to say that it is a menu that our executives and members can pick and choose whatever they want to do from our um, plethora of, of membership benefits is how I like mm -hmm. to say it. So you have, like, from what I understood when we start, started to talk, and, and I don't want you to get into the, 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 the weeds of, of uh, the industries, but there seems to be a technology uh, in um, engineering kind of feel to the group because you you attend a lot of technology based uh, workshops mm -hmm. and events. Um, is that sort of the sweet spot where ECN is focusing their their mentoring and masterminding uh, for executives? I would say that we are lean slightly to that direction. However, mm -hmm. we are completely vertical agnostic. We go everything from transportation to manufacturing to lots of technology companies as well, um, to even folks that were in the corporate world for maybe 20, 25 years, and they've now left. They still have those leadership skills with them, and they're doing their own consulting or coaching or mentoring business. So mm -hmm. we're quite we're quite broad, but to your point, we do have a a fair number of technology companies from from Nike to Expedia to Cisco to you know I could go on and on with the list. But we try to be quite broad, very intentionally so for that diverse you know sort of feel of thought. What are you finding uh, are two of the greatest needs? that individuals at that level, right? It's one thing when you are a starter, startup, you're just trying to figure things out. But then you have uh, CEOs and these high uh, thought leaders, again, that are looking for the next advancement, looking for the next breakthrough. They've accomplished much. What do those individuals look for? And, and how can someone who's at that level right now take from lessons you've learned by dealing with such an eclectic group of high-level thought leaders in your, your organization. Right. And what I would see uh, a number of folks, as I mentioned, you know, we're dealing with pretty high-level executives and they, mm -hmm. they've been in their career for X, you know, 20, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. And a huge thing that they talk to me about when I meet with someone is, is I'll say three things. Number one, they want to have a community, a, a social and business network that is outside of their existing walls. 
They want to be out in, you know, other verticals, interfacing with diverse people. Um, Secondly, I would say they are very into, I've been doing this for 20 years. I really want to find a way to drive more impact in the world, whether Mm -hmm. that be social impact or some other kind of impact. Um, And we offer a partner ecosystem that gives a lot of opportunity for that. And thirdly, they're very interested in overall, there's a passion amongst our members for the startup ecosystem that, again, by by supporting them is a form of social impact, by mentoring, advising, coaching, maybe even investing or, or taking a board seat. So, so those are sort of three of the things. Um, yes, I've had a very successful career. Now I want to go to the next place. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would call it the next concentric circle outside you know, the walls of Cisco or the walls of, you know, Lutz who runs, uh, he's a CIO at Daimler Trucks, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. What would you say then is, apart from that, obviously that's a desire, but when you have this conversation of these high-level individuals, what's the common denominator you have found that is their struggle in their company, in their corporate environment? Not personally in terms of wanting to expand their horizons and new relationships outside of work, but in the trenches, what do you find that when these guys get together, they talk about as a common challenge you're trying to overcome in their corporate environment? I would say one of the things that I hear quite often, and and I've experienced it myself having worked in large technology companies, it's this, especially after having been in that space for so many years, it's this feeling of, Everything I do inside these walls takes 500 years. Do you know, it's like the, the pace at which, mm-hmm. you know, you have to work, which is a snail's pace, quite frankly, the larger mm-hmm. the organization, that and dealing with sort of the whole idea of the corporate politics. I would say those are two themes that I hear consistently. And one of the things we're really adamant about, and um, we're, we are value based. And I mentioned them earlier. It is, you know, community connections, lifelong learning. Uh, partner ecosystem, social impact. So anyone that joins must possess those values. I mean, if, if it's someone that's just in a different space, if there's an ego involved, it just, it's not what we're looking for. And that's why mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we've been able to build this group and really maintain the integrity of what we're trying to do. Value-based Uber all us, above all. You said a key word, ego. And, mm-hmm. and it really brings me to my next question because you, I, I've, I've been in that environment. I'm very familiar with the environment for a long time. And, you know, there tends to be uh, the, the challenge of ego trips. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when you get very successful people into a room, it, it's almost unavoidable where one wants to outshine the other in terms of accomplishment, thoughts, and, and you never get anything done. So either you have the person who may not feel like he's at the level of the other person clamped down and not really speak for fear of not not feeling right. worthy enough, or you have the one that's accomplished much and feels like everybody needs to know about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. How do you manage egos in that kind of environment? Um, and is that a problem in, in mm-hmm. your uh, in, in your observations? I'm so glad you asked this question because, and I'll be very, you know, transparent about it. We look around myself and, and my small team, and we are, you know, sort of really surprised. And like, how how have we done this? Because we have you may be in a CIO room, you may have someone who's a senior director at a smaller, mid-sized company, and we find that there is very, very little ego. And mm-hmm. I mean, not to be. You know, I, I think intrinsically, when I meet with someone or my chief of staff meets with someone, there's j- we both have super IEQ. I'm going to be very honest about that. And you can tell, you can tell immediately when I start talking about the values, the core values of our organization, you can tell immediately if that resonates with someone mm-hmm. or if you get the, well, I've blah, 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 and <laughs> that mm-hmm, kind right, of thing. Right. <laughs> so to me, it's, it's very much of an EQ thing. And we choose to only invite people who do believe in our core values. Um, that's it's as simple as that. And mm-hmm. and somehow it's magically worked. So I, I'd give you more information if I had more. I'm just like I think it goes back to the values, right? Yeah, and I think you're right. If if you create a culture, and and that's sort of what we're gonna dive into in the last couple of minutes here, creating a yeah. culture. If you create a culture from the get-go that tells these individuals 
uh, check the ego at the door, right? Mm -hmm. Come with the right spirit, the right heart, the right the giver spirit. I think it's going to foster not only the right person sticking, but the wrong person leaving. And, uh, and the, it'll weed, uh, people will weed themselves out if that culture is strong. And it certainly sounds like you've done that. Let me ask you this. So I've been approached many times by other negative, uh, negative, uh, networks. Uh, there's no shortage of networks out there now that, you know, they appeal to the high executive. There's that they're all over the place, right? C-suite exactly. kind of stuff. And I visited some, some come as fast as they go, right? Mm -hmm. What, what are the ingredients? I know values and that's important and ego a chicken at the door, but why do so many of them come and go? Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned it, right? The word culture is, that's a huge part of it. Um, that's a huge part of our it factor, I would say. Um, when we get together in person and we do some in-person get-togethers as well, it, it literally feels as though we're a family. I mean, I have members that are counseling other members that are flying to go and see them pitch at a pitch competition. It's just, it's very much of them. Um, when I'm having a conversation with someone about joining what, what they would get from us, nine times out of 10, if it is the right person, the right like valued person, one of the things they'll ask me is, okay, I know I can take value from this, but what can I do? How can I provide value back to you and to the other members? And that mm -hmm. I think is key. Mm -hmm. So I think you called it a giver's, giver's mindset, but it, mm -hmm. it truly is. It's not about what all I can get. That's a piece mm -hmm. of it, but it's mm -hmm. what can I give? Because that's and that's, I mean, it goes back to probably the values, but it's, that's the kind of person that we're trying to attract. And, and thus far, we've done a pretty good job of that, I would say. You know, you, you mentioned something that's also key. I, I mentioned a giver spirit, but you also mentioned you have to have um, the heart of reciprocity, right? You got, you, you got to bring that to the table. A giver spirit and a heart of reciprocity, that's the key to, uh, to creating a good culture. And our last minute here. So what's next for ECN? You guys are uh, blowing and going and growing in all sorts of different uh, dimensions. I know that. Mm -hmm. What's the game plan for 24? And mm -hmm. if someone was interested in learning more about ECN, what do they need to do? Perfect. Um, so yes, in 2024, you know, we, we're really upping the number of events that we are doing, which goes back to that, that core value of lifelong learning and the mm -hmm. community getting together. Um, we're also looking to expand from an international perspective. And we're, you know, we're at about 100 members-ish, give or take. We would like to grow internationally, and we are utilizing our current members to become a quote-unquote partner of ours to help us grow internationally mm -hmm. and in their circles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're just chatting with them through that program. And they then can help us continue to retain our members because they're going to bring in people that are A-like valued. And, and be that run in their circles as well. So as opposed to two of us really trying to, you know, be the relationship manager for every person, we're mm -hmm. going to have our members be our ambassadors as well. And I think that's going to be good for our growth, but we do not want to become too large or our, our, maybe we're staying in the, maybe the few hundred range max. Um, mm -hmm. that we don't want to lose the intimacy that we've built. You know, I, I think it's brilliant. Allowing the members to become ambassadors Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's nothing like being at the ground roots or the ground floor rather of something that is growing and become an ambassador to share that good news with others. It's brilliant. It's a great way to grow internally. Everyone's got skin in the game. Well, Wendy Howell, you've certainly got something going on here. I really appreciate you being Thank on the you. show. We're going to make sure that this uh, that this message gets out. We're going to put your information up at the website so people can yes, follow please. up with this message, uh, mm -hmm. this broadcast and track you down and best of luck. And hopefully in the future, we'll have you back. I love it. Thanks for having me. It's been a great chat. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Excited to announce that my 10th book, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, is now available on Amazon. The book is already changing lives. Since its release, we take a closer look at those progress-inhibiting behaviors that continue to become the stumbling blocks to your success and the better version of you that exists. If progress is important to you, then pick up a copy, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, now available on Amazon. 
I'm David Kazarian, President of Student Optimum Services and a licensed debt arbitrator. We have one mission in mind, to cut down the $1.7 trillion in federal student loan debt by as much as possible and help hardworking Americans just like you achieve financial freedom. Our process is not a settlement or a refinance. We are not a bank or a lender. We are on your side and we go up against these lenders to get you on track for student loan forgiveness by utilizing programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs are available to you regardless of the school you attended, your employment status, or employment field. Over the past 13 years, we've helped thousands of borrowers save millions of dollars on their student loans. Student loan payments are resuming September of 2023, after being on hold for over three and a half years. So the time to take action is now. You have nothing to lose but your student loans. Visit www.studentoptimumservices.com slash to schedule a free consultation today. Hi, my name is Ono Coleman, co-founder of the Team Leader Network, which my colleague and I founded to tackle a pervasive blind spot in the business world. Take a second and think about all of the teams in your organization, engineering, product, sales. They're the heart of your company. And yet, out of all of those teams, how many would you classify as high-performing? Most executives we talk to say roughly 25%. Let us show you how to get that number to 50%. Find out more at www.dynamicleaderdev.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, Business Edition. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I mentioned at the beginning of this program that this show is going to be to provide value uh, for those in an executive experience that are looking for ways to continue to ratchet up their skill set, their knowledge, uh, and build a corporate culture around achievement, progress, growth, innovation, so on, not only from a personal standpoint, but also from a creative standpoint and then a cultural standpoint. Well, I, I couldn't think of, of uh, anyone better. There's a number of people out there that I know do speak on the subject matter, but it's one thing to speak on it from a from really just an experience of reading others' materials. Maybe you've heard others' content. Maybe you... Uh, uh, we took classrooms or coaching classes or whatever, but it's a whole other ball game when you have walk the walk, not just talk to talk. So our next business spotlight guest is Nadim Ahmad. I mentioned early on, Nadim is the real McCoy. He's the real deal. Nakeem, he's not only a three had a three decade long career as an executive within the CTO offices of two global consulting organizations, which is a big deal in itself. But he's been able to take that energy and that inside and that information now and start to help other corporations design not only the, the right environments, but also the right leadership and the right culture and the right innovation systems to, to continue to grow. Uh, and I, as I said, no better uh, person to, to speak on such things than someone who's done it. Nadim is also the author of the number one Amazon bestselling book, Become an Innovation Navigator. And he's one of the uh, sought-after executive coaches right now globally uh, because he's a thought leader. And he writes and he educates others around uh, about strategic leadership and, again, innovation in business. Nadim Ahmad, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Thanks, Jay. Glad to be here. Thanks for the introduction. Oh, absolutely. Nadim, I'm going to ask you, before we dive into your, your stellar resume, which you've got a stellar resume, you've got a lot of things going on, and you know you are someone that has certainly proven himself in the industry to speak on these things. Uh, we know a little bit about your background, three years, uh, three decades, rather, as a CTO, but expand on that a little bit, if you could. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um well, Jay, I consider myself a recovering consultant. <laughs> so as you mentioned, I write about and I and I coach others on strategic leadership, innovation within modern business. I've just always had the belief that technology has the power to radically change how we live, how we work, how we connect with one another. Um, and this drove me early on in my consulting career across roles in delivery, operations, and even in team leadership roles. But the game changer for me was joining the global strategy office at, a, at that consulting firm. Um, I quickly realized my true calling was in influencing business and technology strategy for companies um, and their clients. Um, I think the strategy roles in those CTO offices and innovation teams were more about asking what's next, right? And, and that's where I developed a growth mindset. Um, that's when I recognized that change is not a threat, but an opportunity for greater things. 
Uh, and this mindset allows me to seize on opportunities in my own career that I might have otherwise passed on. And I just try to share this concept with others. You know, Nadine, you could have stayed where you were. Uh, I mean, you had a cushy. Um, I wouldn't I mean, I don't want to call it cushy and comfortable, but certainly you had a track record of success. You were in a long career, very well respected, a good position, climbing the ladder. You could have stayed where you were and done very, very well. But what inspired you then to not only just hit the pause button, smash the button, <laughs> and then go into your own uh, entrepreneurial world, develop your own company, your own business, and coach others? I mean, what triggered that decision, which is not one that many make? Yeah, Jay, thanks for that. Um, I think eventually, like many in the corporate world, I just suffered from burnout, right? Mm. Just the challenges of corporate mm. life became too much to bear and my, and my heart wasn't in it anymore, right? So I took an extended break. Um, first one in 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 30 years, actually. Wow. Yeah, you, I just used the time to reconnect with myself, my mm -hmm. family, kind of almost re reintroduced myself to my kids because I traveled so much um, and just like re-energized myself. Um, but the struggle, Jay, was that you know, I was a tech executive for a while and that was my identity for so long. Who was I now that I wasn't in that world? Right. So right. Um, I think I think I thought about a couple of things uh, that I always enjoyed about my career. And those were the times I was mentoring or guiding team members, you know, whether they were my direct reports or not, didn't matter. Um, I just always sought out those opportunities to coach others naturally. Um, I also like the group dynamic, you know, bringing a diverse set of people uh, together in a room. You mentioned I was um, these are global organizations. So people from all walks of life and all parts of the world. Um, we just got together, brainstorm ideas, solutions to problems. Um, and I just believe it's human nature to want to collaborate with one another. The only challenge is that as you go higher up in the corporate ladder, the pool of collaborators gets a little smaller. So I decided I wanted to help business leaders directly uh, through coaching. Um, and in my executive coaching practice, I do try to create sort of a peer advisory group, you know, so CEOs and business owners, they can come together. They have a place where they can go learn from each other, share ideas, hear from fellow leaders who, who kind of have an unbiased agenda in providing support for some of the difficult decision-making that has to be done. So all this with the, with the end goal of helping them become better leaders, make wiser decisions and, and obviously grow their business. Well, the, the decision that you made is paying off because uh, you are in demand. And I actually was introduced to you because you were spoken highly of by the founder, or rather the CEO, Executive Council Network, who was on, who's also on this particular show today that you're on, which is how I met you. She spoke highly of you. So, again, you're making an impact. So the decision was a good one. But innovation is something that obviously in the world that you come from technology innovation is it if you don't have innovation you're going to be left in the dust especially in that industry but taking it beyond technology innovation can occur in a healthcare industry in nutrition it can occur in a small business innovation you cannot run away from it if you want to continue to set yourself apart in a crowded uh industry whatever industry you might be in why today though in today's business landscape it's a global community, right? A global community. Why is innovation so crucial in today's business landscape? Yeah, that's a great question, Jay. Um, and I actually address it in my book, um, Becoming an Innovation Navigator, which you mentioned earlier. And here's why I believe innovation is a non-negotiable for companies today globally. Um, first, the rate of change is accelerating exponentially and it's only gonna get faster. Remember the saying, the only constant is change. Well, in today's world, the only constant is rapid change. And I think if a company isn't innovating, it's essentially moving backwards relative to its competition. So think of it as just like being on a treadmill, right? It's constantly speeding up. And if you don't keep pace, you're going to get thrown off that thing. So this, this is um, represented in the adoption of em emerging technology, say like uh, artificial intelligence, right? So many believe that there will be two types of companies in the future, those who use AI and those who just don't exist. The mm -hmm. transformative power of an emerging technology like AI makes it no longer an optional part of the business strategy. It's actually becoming the backbone. So companies that leverage AI, and AI is just one example of an emerging technology, you know, they'll have the significant edge. And those who ignore it, they're essentially volunteering for obsolescence. 
but but it's beyond survival, Jay. In, innovation isn't just about not sinking, it's about thriving, right? Sailing to new horizons. Um, I feel it's the engine that drives growth. It opens up new markets. It creates new revenue streams, of course. Um, and companies that innovate are the ones that set trends. They can define consumer expectations. You would look at what Apple has done. Um, and they they disrupt entire industries, right? So when you, I, I would also say that when you foster a, a culture of innovation in your business, you're doing more than just staying ahead of the competition. You're creating an environment where your people are excited to contribute, where they feel their ideas are valued, where they can see the tangible impact of their work. So I believe innovation breeds engagement and engage employees are they're more productive and they're happier. Um, and I just feel that um, in, to innovate and adapt is not just a nice to have. It's, it's really the compass by which your business will navigate the future. Yeah, Nadim, everything you said is on point. However, you have CEOs, directors, uh, business development uh, individuals that are frustrated. They are at a point where they cannot figure out or not figure out. They, they've hit the, the creativity gene. That ability to be innovative is stale um, and they're getting blown away because their competitors are coming up with some pretty cool new stuff for that CEO or that uh, that person who's really in charge of development and they're stuck. They say, yeah, Jay, I get it. We have to innovate, but we don't have an innovation idea. We, we don't, we're just we're, we're sitting in idle. What should that person, that exec, that team? start to do to turn on the innovation dreaming again if they're stuck in zero? Great question. I'm glad you asked that. I think I think um, the first first thing I would say is, you know, having a growth growth mindset towards new ideas and changes, that's something I definitely um, feel is critical to address, right? So like there are technical skills, there's business acumen, there's that can all be important, right? But your mental frame is actually the, the invisible architect, so to speak, that shapes your innovative ideas, innovation initiatives, right? And my mm -hmm. goal in my book was to dive into that with some of my discussion around uh, limiting beliefs, right? And these are those self-imposed barriers, the stories we tell ourselves that hold us back, right? So, right. Do, I mean, I, I would ask these CEOs, like, you know, do you ever find yourself, you know, saying to yourself, uh, innovation is just too risky, or this seems over my head, I can't do this. Um, these are just thoughts. These are your limiting beliefs in action. And a growth mindset arms you with the ability to see challenges as opportunities, um, to see failures as nothing more than stepping stones on the path to success, right? So when you swap out the phrase, I can't do this with, I can't do this yet, you're laying the groundwork for progress. Now, of course, innovation inherently comes with risk and uncertainty. But if you're viewing these factors through a lens of a growth mindset, I think you're you're not paralyzed by them. You're empowered. Mm -hmm. And you see every misstep as a masterclass in what not to do next time. Um, so if you're if you're looking to embrace innovation professionally or even personally, right, start with the person in the mirror, uh, reflect on your own limiting beliefs, confront them, then set out to conquer them and create new empowering beliefs. Because when your mind shifts, mindset shifts, I think the world around you shifts too, and and that's true in business and in life. So that's probably what I would say to that CEO. Yeah, I like what you said. There's a few things you said there, Nadine. You said, turn your mistakes into a master class. I think that's a mic drop. In fact, it's beyond a mic drop. It's a, it's a, it's a nuclear missile. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just a home run there. Turn your mistakes into a master class is brilliant. But I also think that risk, you mentioned the word risk. Risk is a factor, and I get it. If you're a company that's been cruising along or a business or an entrepreneur, and you've been cruising along, even though maybe you're not on the cutting edge of anything, but sometimes the cutting edge is not as important as just cruising um, because cruising doesn't uh, force you to think outside the box, doesn't force you to really um, be uh, to put yourself in a place of comparison that hopefully hopefully will force you to innovate because in the end, innovation takes risk. And that's what you said. So a risk, a non risk taker probably won't be much uh, won't be much of a forward thinking innovator because of that that concern of risk. However, as I told one of my clients about a month ago, if you're not the risk taker, if you're the one that's timid, then surround yourself with people that are risk takers, but risk takers that know how to mitigate and have uh, take calculated risk. It's one thing to take vagabondish risk, risk that is not calculated, but then there is calculated risk. And that's when you begin to see 
um, results when those risks, uh, well, not only the results rather, but it allows you to take those risks knowing that what's the worst case scenario, I've already factored that in. And that leads to innovation. Um, brilliant work, my friend. Brilliant, brilliant. We said, inner leader, you have said that we have to focus on unlocking, and I like that, uh, Nadine, uh, unlocking our inner leader in order to create innovation. Um, that inner leader is the one that becomes the catalyst for innovation. How do you unlock that inner leader? Yeah, sure. Appreciate the question. I, I, I think leadership, um, as I explore with my coaching clients, is that hidden fuel that accelerates the engine of innovation. Because mm -hmm. let's face it, like ideas are abundant. Everyone's got one. Um, but it's the execution of those ideas that sets you apart. And for that, leadership is key. Now, it's not just about having the title of CEO or VP. It's about being someone who can inspire, who can who could rally a team around their vision. Um, in, in the book, I, I quote Steve Jobs. Um, he's an interesting model for a leader in the realm of innovation. Um, no, matter what, no matter what you think of him personally, um, what struck me about him was his ability to get others to gravitate towards him because they were inspired by his vision and his passion, right? Mm -hmm. It's not only about being a genius or innovation genius. It's about, um, I think for an innovation leader, it's about instilling a drive or passion within your their teams to diligently pursue things to the bitter end on any innovation journey. Um, that ability to infect a growth or abundance mindset across his teams is what I felt set him apart from many of his in his field. Now, the truth is, I believe each one of us has an inner leader waiting to be unleashed. I'm not saying anyone can be Steve Jobs, but anyone can adopt the same mindset. And in the book, I touch upon several key leadership characteristics to power innovation process in modern business. Maybe for the sake of time, I'll not get into the detail here, but I also want to mention another concept, um, and that's the psychology of leadership. And this is all about understanding human needs, which drive or influence behavior, mm -hmm. whether it's the need for certainty, variety for significance. These are all factors that influence how people respond to change. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, you're not just navigating technologies or processes. Remember, you're, you're navigating human beings, their emotions, their needs. So it's crucial to understand what's driving the people around you. Uh, is it fear of the unknown? Is it the need for stability? You know, once you understand these human needs, you can tailor your approach to meet them. Um, and, and then just make the whole innovation process much smoother. And it, so unlocking your inner leader, it, it means embracing these principles. Unlocking your inner leader means embracing these principles and applying them in the real world scenarios you face every day. And if you remember that innovation is not about just not just about ideas, it's about people. And if you can inspire others with your passion, you have the power to lead them through something extraordinary. Let me ask you this. You, you mentioned your book a number of times. And the book is called Become an Innovation Navigator without giving the whole book away because we want people to go out and get their hands on the book and then seek you out, seek your services, your coaching, your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge. Um, but there are lessons that I know the book to every good book will have takeaways and lessons taught. And our final two minutes here, what would you say are the two critical lessons on innovation that the readers of your book should expect to get? Awesome, Jake. Thanks for that. Um, if we're boiling down the book to its most critical lesson, um, it would be this innovation is a journey. It's not a destination. I think it's less about reaching some um, goal or a milestone and more about embracing the journey of continuous transformation. Um, I think um, if, if I if I said two key lessons, um, growth mindset, we talked about that a little bit uh, already. That's number one, right? I think um, you know, like I said, inher in innovation inherently comes with risk and uncertainty. Um, and if you view those those lenses, view those factors through a lens of growth mindset, you'll be you'll be better off. I think um, everyone can be an innovation leader. Um, I've mentioned before that um, CEOs um, uh, often get the 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 praise because they have the title and everything like that. But I think everyone has that potential to lead uh, the innovation process. It's it's. Um, less about hierarchy, more about influence and everything. The last thing I would say is that innovation is not a one and done deal. It's a, a perpetual cycle of learning, implementing, measuring, and then learning some more. So I think about it as a lifelong or continuous learning loop. So that's what I would say. You know, you, you said something key. You said innovation is a journey, not a destination. 
And when you embrace it that way, it it doesn't force you because force is a strong word, but it encourages you. Certainly it encourages you to keep going, not to look at I've arrived, but this is just another step in my developmental journey of innovation. And that'll keep you not only, I think, fulfilled if you are someone that is looking to find the next best version of you, your company, your product, your service, or a way to serve the world, that'll continue to fill, fulfill that need for advancement if you understand it's a journey, it's not a destination. Well said, well said. Where can Thanks. people find you and learn more about you? Absolutely. Thanks for that. Um, I think to learn more about me and my coaching services, check out www.nadimamad.co. And if you're interested in getting a copy of the book, check out www.innovationnavigator.net. That's innovationnavigator, one word, .net. Thanks a lot. Nadine, we appreciate you being on the show, brother. We'll hopefully we'll have you back in the future as you continue to innovate your career and, and have uh, further information and insight to share with our leadership team here and our audience. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hey everyone, Jay Mamie here. Excited to announce that first fitness nutrition one of our corporate sponsors has done it again with a brand new solution called trimsolin for those that are desiring weight loss the trimsolin weight loss program is your bridge between innovative science and plant-based solutions for safe and effective weight loss the trimsolin program contains two innovative dual action products control and thermo and a specially created menu guide featuring wholesome food choices so you've got something to pick from that's going to help you make better choices what this program will do for you is going to help reduce your appetite and cravings keep you feeling full prevent you from overeating which that's a big problem right increase your caloric expenditure and here's the bottom line folks this natural scientifically advanced technologically based solution is going to enhance your weight loss plant-based no side effects trimsolin the next newest innovation for weight loss by first fitness make sure to visit healthyfriends.firstfitness.com that's healthyfriends.firstfitness.com attention dallas fort worth area residents on care 360 a digital health company is looking for a highly motivated healthcare business development consultant. You will be on the front line of the sales process leading from introductions to close. Develop a pipeline to meet or exceed sales targets. You must have experience selling to independent physician groups and provider networks. You must be a self-starter, ability to work independently and results driven. If this sounds like you, please email your latest resume along with your LinkedIn profile to hr at oncare360.com. That is hr at o-n-c-a-r-e 360.com. Hi, I'm Natalie Odoms, Independent Digital Branch Office with Transact Card Visa Bank Card. We're all hurting with the rising cost of gas, groceries, bills. Prices are skyrocketing with no signs of coming down. It's painful. And our Transact Card Visa Bank Card is soothing the pain by offering a reward system no other bank card offers. Transact Card Visa Bank Card doubles your buying power with every swipe. To hear more, call 925-414-5636 for my recorded message. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, Business Edition. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Today's show has been dedicated to really servicing that high executive community, those that are in higher possessions of leadership, uh, people that find themselves oftentimes being the ones in charge of creating a, a winning environment, a winning culture. Our first two speakers spoke about that, but I wanted to make sure that you understood that the story didn't end there. And our final guest today, as I mentioned earlier, uh, in the beginning of the program, he is the CEO and founder of Dynamic Leader Development. Ono Coleman is someone who I met on a networking uh, event, a virtual networking event not too long ago. I heard him share his story, but I heard him share his heart and his vision for helping leadership teams really develop not only the right culture, but a winning culture, winning habits, and the right disciplines for success. 
And with a, a resume like that, we had to have him on the show. Honor Coleman, welcome to the Jay Mimi Talk Show. Yeah, thanks for having me here, Jay. Pleasure to be here. Hey, we're going to cram a lot of content in our time together because you've got a lot of wisdom. You've got a lot of experience. You've got a lot of ideas. You and I have had a chance to speak uh, a number of times already. So I know you've got goodness. But before we dive into all of that, just take a minute or two to really have our listeners understand your story and, and who makes up Ono and a little bit of your resume. Sure, mate. Happy to. So, I mean, the first thing people usually notice about me, especially here in this country, is my accent. Uh, I grew up in Australia, uh, but I happen to be born in America. I was born in Houston. And uh, so I was able to come back here when I was 18 to go to university. Um, double majored, I like to say, in, in mechanical engineering and water polo. Um, <laughs> don't know how many credits they gave me for water polo, but it certainly felt like a lot of time mm -hmm. in it there. Mm -hmm. Um, that's actually where I first really got interested in teams because I happened to be on an NCAA championship winning team that senior year. And of course, we had good talent and we had good mm -hmm. chemistry, but there was some more intangibles too. And I remember thinking, I want to recreate this. This is mm -hmm. really special. So I began my professional career as an engineer, a design engineer at a startup. And then I transitioned to sales after five years in engineering. And that was really pivotal for me starting to realize, man, I used to be really interested in how do things work and how do you make things? Now mm -hmm. I'm interested in how do people work? How do relationships work? Mm -hmm. How do leaders work? How do you make leaders? And in particular, how do I tick as well? Uh, so went on a journey of self-discovery and that led me to training, coaching, consulting, and the work I do now. So you were an employee in corporate America, an engineer, yet an engineer's mind. So you, you're trying to figure things out. So I'm not surprised that you sort of shifted to trying to figure out human dynamics and uh, group dynamics, leadership dynamics. That makes perfect sense. But you could have done something else. You didn't have to get into the uh, the busy world, the what some consider the, the crowded space of coaching. So what was the catalyst that inspired you to launch the company that you are now the founder of Dynamic Leadership Development? Yeah, it's a good question. And it was a real agonizing process, actually, to make that decision. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, the two two forks that I saw in front of me were, do I keep my engineering degree and go join some other green startup? Because I really wanted to help the planet, save the environment somehow. So could I work for some clean tech environment? I could bring engineering, I could bring sales, I could help do that. Or could I do the thing that I'm spending my nights and weekends doing? Uh, and then some of the books that I'm getting interested in reading about, which is help people be more better versions of themselves, help them be more conscious, be more skillful. And so I remember doing this thought experiment one night where I realized, look, even if we went to sleep tonight and woke up tomorrow morning with clean everything, solar panels on every roof, fuel cell buses, uh, everybody's driving an electric car, within minutes, there would still be some acts of violence. There would still be domestic violence. There would still be war. There would still be exploitation. There would still be greed. There's all these nasty things that humans sometimes do to each other mm -hmm. wouldn't go away just because of clean technology. So that's when I sort of gave myself permission to follow that calling of saying, I'm going to work on the human end of the stick and the psychology end of the stick. And if I can help 20, 30, 40 year olds be better leaders by the time they're 30, 40, 50, 60 and running companies and organizations, they're now going to have a huge ripple out effect because this was in my early 30s at the time. I thought I could only really work with young people. Now I work mm -hmm. with all ages. Mm -hmm. So that was the permission. That was the moment when I really went for it. That was the catalyst. Yeah, that's a great catalyst because you decided that you wanted to make an impact where impact could be the greatest. And you're right. Technology is fantastic. New engineering uh, uh, inventions are great. But unless you change the way a person thinks, change their head and their heart, that technology and those new gimmicks and gadgets really don't make a difference. New operations, new systems, what difference does it make if it's the same person operating them, right? Uh, so I think it was a step in the right direction. You also said a key word. You said calling. You felt it was your calling. And that's a conversation we could have for another hour because that's one of the things I really talk to people about too, follow your calling. But you were part of teams, uh, you played um, college ball very successfully, right? Went to championships. You understand the value of uh, team culture, of the right environment. Why are there so few good teams out there in business when it is so obvious that in order to succeed in the corporate space, 
uh, and group dynamics, you have to have good team mindset. But still, that's a struggle in corporate America. And why do you think that's the case? Yeah, I'll point to three reasons. Firstly, humans are kind of uh, difficult. And and especially when you get a, a lot of humans together, the more you add, mm-hmm. the more you add, the more complex the situation is. So there's a lot of complexity in helping teams perform. Secondly, there hasn't been a really easy way to measure team performance up until now. I mean, there are various assessments for personalities and for styles. Um, you can obviously measure them by the outputs that they do. They do they hit the target or not? But there hasn't been a really good mechanism to measure the actual health and the engine of the team and how well is the team capable of performing. So it's complex. There hasn't really been good measurement, and there hasn't really been good training. Mm. So it's a huge gap in the world of L and D. Uh, a lot of companies have a, a decent manager training program where they do the manager 101 kind of thing. And it's almost entirely one-on-one. How do you give someone feedback? How do you make a development plan for someone? How do you have a one-on-one meeting with someone? How do you hold someone accountable? How do you coach someone? It's all one-to-one-to-one-to-one. And that's good. That's good balking and tackling. We need that. But then at the next level, by the time people become directors, for example, they should be thinking more about teams and the units of teams and how teams work. There aren't that many companies out there that provide formal leadership training. So now you've got a lot of teams that are operating, they're kind of winging it. They're on instinct um, because they don't have a mental model and they don't have clarity and they don't have measurements to guide them in the right direction. Yeah, that's you, you nailed it. I mean, the, those three are probably uh, the high points. Um, one of them, I believe, is there is there is no model. There is uh, there is no system of training. There's no there's no real reliable method to train up, right, to train leaders up. So that brings me to my next question, because I I think if you are a CEO or if you're the sort of the president of that firm and you are intentional, I mean, you really want to build a great teamwork type of environment where people look out for each other. They have each other's back. Everyone's in alignment with the mission of what the company is, is doing and pursuing. What should these CEOs be keeping an eye out for? These these what I call lagging leadership indicators, which every CEO should be aware of if they really want a healthy and an engaged corporate environment for the long term. Yeah, it's good. And I, I think they're already probably tracking some of them. So uh, retention and engagement and maybe mm-hmm. there's productivity metrics. I want to talk about the one that's probably in the blind spot, which is this team effectiveness type metric. So the point of getting these people together and getting them engaged and motivated and aligned is so that they work together more effectively and then produce the results that we want. So we've got to go a little bit upstream and measure that effectiveness of how well that team is performing. Um, There's one assessment out there that I know of that I think is the best at this. It's called Squatify. Um, something that you can get certified in that, that I'm, we're certified in. Happy to share information on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be the main one, I think, that would give that competitive edge that most companies aren't looking at yet. And companies haven't figured this out, even though it's been 50 years of ropes courses and uh, personality profiles and assessments. And companies have tried things, but they haven't really done it in a, a measured way. So that's the metric. That's the main the main lagging indicator there, right there. So you mentioned for 50 years, 60 years, probably longer than that. Take any country, any any company in any country. And by the way, this is also not in the corporate space. This is also in the political space, uh, in the organization, nonprofit space, the religious space. I mean, you name it. Whenever you have a group dynamics and leadership involved, it, it's anywhere and, and in anything. So many, I'm sure, have tried, just like you said, but a lot of it still isn't working. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, we ask uh, executive after executive, when you think about the various teams in your company, what percent of them would you classify as high-performing teams? And the answer that most of them give back after a little reflection is maybe a quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, for some teams where the leaders are, are, are um, paying a lot of attention to this, it might be a third. Some of them even guess a half. Nobody's ever guessed higher than that. So we know that teamwork is an important engine, and yet only maybe a quarter of the teams are really high performing. 
So over the years, there are all kinds of things that have been evolved. Uh, there are trust falls and ropes courses and offsites, you know, where we go drinking and we uh, maybe eat together, you know, it's bonding experiences. That's one of the dysfunctions that teams sometimes need help with, but it's not always the one. And sadly, it's the go-to when you people think, oh, teamwork, team building, they think of this softer stuff. That's an important element, but teams also need a lot of clarity to be able to thrive. So uh, sometimes companies will try to put in an OKR system or some kind of new way of rolling out standardization, getting getting people aligned. Um, companies might try to pivot to a more agile type uh, methodology. So this is this is how we're going to run teams from now on. This is how we're going to run product development from now on. So they might try that. They might try moving to off email, moving on to some kind of platform. So there are a number of different things that people try. And I think if you're, Sometimes they work if that's the thing that was needed. Mm -hmm. Almost like handing out prescriptions without actually doing a proper diagnosis and just saying, well, this seems to kind of work. Let's just try this. And it can get a bit of a flavor of the month. I think that's why it gets a bit of a bad rap too. You know, I, you said something real key, uh, the flavor of the month, right? Let's try this for a little bit, see if that works. And either one or two things happens in my observations, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ono, is they jump ship too soon. They they abandon ship on whatever new project they're working on, whatever new technique or new system, uh, because they don't see the results fast enough. They don't give it enough time for that to develop, for it to really sink in. So they just jump ship and either do nothing or jump to the next one. And those in their leadership teams have no idea what's going on. And they don't have any they, – they lack the, 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 the trust factor that their leadership is actually, number one, knowing they know what they're, what they're doing, but they have their best interest when they keep jumping ship from one program to the other program. I've heard that from people. But I, I'll, I'll share with you something that I think makes a lot of sense with what you just uh, shared. As a coach, I, I used to coach football. And one of the, the uh, one of the areas that I recognize immediately those for me in the coaching, the sports coaching, one of my indicators was I try to train my players to understand and coach them that if you are a linebacker, you are a linebacker. You're not a uh, you know, you're not a safety, you're not a cornerback. In other words, stick to your role, know your role, know your responsibility, know where you're supposed to be. Uh, during the times that you're supposed to be there, depending on the play, let the safety do what the safety do. And I used to uh, have all of our guys understand what their role is. And it didn't always work because you, these were kids and you would find that the linebacker was too far out and or the quarterback or the running back and the quarterback wanted to be the running back. The point is when they didn't clearly understand their roles uh, and their responsibilities, we didn't play well. It got muddled. Would you say that's similar to what happens in, in team environments at the adult level, uh, whether it's corporate or organization or nonprofit? They just don't understand. They don't have the clarity of their role. Yeah, look, I think that's one of the three C's. So um, teams to perform well, they need clarity, they need climate, and they need competence. I love it. So they Brilliant. need clarity on what is the thing that we're trying to do and why are we even trying to do it? And then role clarity, who's doing what actually in this? And then, and then measure clarity. How would we even know if we were succeeding on this? And some kind of plan clarity. What are we mm -hmm. actually, what's the short-term plan? They need the supportive climate then. They need a hard climate and a soft climate. So what soft climate is the interaction between each other, the chemistry, the, the psychological safety, the trust, the candor. Hard climate is the systems and the processes. Do we have the right plays? Do we know how to run them? Do we have the right computers? Do we have the right software? Do we, do we know how to make decisions? Do we allocate resources effectively? Teams need that too. And then they finally need the competence. They need the technical competence to actually do the work. And then they need the um, soft skills competence. And this is where a lot of people fall down, especially I'm an engineer, work with a lot of engineers. Mm -hmm. We were never taught about people, about right. humans, about right. listening, about diversity, about inclusion, about biases, about coaching and feedback, none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. For the high-performing teams, that's what happens. Players coach each other. You've been on these teams. You've seen that. That's when it really takes off. Brilliant. I love it. Players coach each other. Brilliant. In our final minute, we, we've been talking about the issues, but how is it that your organization 
bring something fresh. What's your fresh new perspective, your proposition? How do you differ from other solutions out there? Yeah, so there are a couple things here. So one is the assessment capability. So bringing to get bringing a new assessment to the market that is it's a couple things. It's comprehensive, so it covers many of the bases. It's also pretty lightweight because everyone's having survey fatigue these days. So something that's mm-hmm. just five or ten minutes to fill out, and most importantly, it's applicable. It shows you where to dig, not like one of these big culture surveys that has a nice uh, view of the altitude but doesn't show you exactly where to dig. Mm-hmm. So. That, that assessment is one of the key pieces. And then how do you then implement that? A lot of leadership development initiatives fail because they're one-offs. They're that flavor of the month like you talked about, and then the interest fades, and then they stop paying attention to it. So this has a cycle to it. It's an ongoing business discipline to help improve the quality of the teamwork. And then the final piece is that we bring in peers. And, and every leadership program that I've run, people come up to me afterwards and they say, look, I know you, your accent was nice and your slides were good too. Guess what the best part of the day was? Was when we were in breakouts and I got to hang out with my peers and we really got mm-hmm. to, I mean, they really get me. They really mm-hmm. understand me. So we have a peer-based approach, which increases the accountability and it increases the motivation and it increases the stickiness of the learning. Yeah, and clearly it's working because you are in demand uh, you are busy. Uh, every time I speak with you, you are on a call or, or coaching on a project. So clearly your model works. And I want to encourage our listeners uh, who are interested in learning not only your model, but how to create that winning team environment to reach out to you. I know they can do that at dynamicleaderdev.com, dynamicleaderdev.com. Your website will be up at our site for a quick link that people can track you down. Ona Coleman, it's been fantastic chatting with you. We want to have you back again in the future with new ideas that you might be working on that can help the uh, the CEO leadership team community to thrive because that's what this show is about. I, I know that's what you believe in also. Appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thanks for hosting this, mate. Appreciate it. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic show. I hope that today the value that we delivered will help you, your organization, thrive if you implement the wisdom that was shared by our amazing guests today. Until next Monday, keep thriving.